Welcome and happy Friday. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. It is April the 8th in 2016. I am here with Paul Brady, who's a senior editor for Traveler. Lily Marcus, who's a contributing editor, works on our site and travels all over for us. Caitlin Moscatello, who's an editor on our site as well. And we have a special guest today, Barbara Peterson, who writes for us regularly and is an airline expert, but who also appears on NPR's The Takeaway, The Wall Street Journal, and The Daily Beast. I guess we'll start the way we start every week, more or less, and uh, do a shout out to National Beer Day. We don't have a cocktail. We have beer this week because it is uh, National Beer Day yesterday, Thursday. We did a Facebook Live video, and we are drinking leftover beer from the Facebook Live video. Um, We've got some Kona beer from Hawaii, and we've got Sierra Nevada, and we have Brooklyn Lager, of which we had plentiful quantities yesterday. So everybody have a sip of the beer and happy belated National Beer Day. Cheers. Cheers. If you haven't checked out the Facebook Live video that we did, it was a co-live video with Epicurious. They made some beer cheese, which was pretty tasty. Um, we showed how to make that, and we looked at a lot of different beers from around the country and just sort of talked a little bit about that and had a, a bit of a good time. Um, today, we are going to talk about what we're calling the new way to the old world. It's a piece that appeared in the, is it the March issue of our magazine? And we covered essentially what is a trend in new airlines and uh, having flights to Europe, mostly, at extremely low prices. And this is something that we cover a lot on the site. We have a, uh, usually have a deal of the day. And many, many of these deals of the day for the last few months have been coming from these kinds of airlines. So I'm wondering, Lilit and Paul, you guys have covered this both very, very extensively. Paul, you in the magazine have this piece. Lilit, you've covered it on the site many, many times, and you've been doing a lot of these deals of the day. Can you guys just walk through what some of these airlines are? Because they're lesser known uh, amongst the general public. Well, I think the reason we covered it in the magazine is is we really felt like there was a critical mass of these carriers, right? You know, sort of we always say in the news business that three makes a trend. And in this case, we actually had four uh, carriers that are going to Europe now and I think providing alternates to the sort of regular big guys that you think of. And so that's really why we wanted to cover these airlines. And they, they have names like Wow Air, Norwegian, Condor, and then uh, an all-business class carrier, La Company, that has been flying for a couple of years. But taken all together, this is great for travelers because there's a new way to get to Europe. And uh, in a lot of cases, you can actually spend less than you ever thought possible to get to Europe. What are some of the fares that we've seen, Lily? Well, one of the big fares that got a lot of attention is Wow Air out of Iceland. They've been doing as low as $99 from, they're not in New York, they're in Boston and Baltimore, and I think now in Los Angeles. So they're hitting some of the U.S.'s big markets, but not competing against somebody like Iceland Air, who's probably their biggest competitor. And Iceland has really blown up in the past year or two. I feel like I went there and everybody else was also from New York when I went. But it's a great sort of gateway into Europe. Within Europe, there have always been these budget carriers that made it really easy to get around the continent, whether it was taking the train or something like EasyJet or Ryanair. But the problem for Americans was that in order to capitalize on these deals, you still had to get there. And the deals that Paul talked about, some of these airlines mean that you're not spending the entire cost of your trip on airfare. What has changed about the economics that's allowed these carriers to do this kind of thing? 
I think they're just able to get the financing to give it a shot. You know, I mean, it, it remains to be seen if they're actually going to be commercially viable and successful over the long term. You know, when you're offering flights for four hundred dollars one way, that's I mean, that's pretty cheap. And even if oil is inexpensive compared to a few years ago, it's still hard to kind of make money doing that. And so it's sort of like strike while the iron is hot. You know, we have the option to take these fares and take these flights and see Europe much more cheaply than we used to. So you might as well hop on board now. I also think it has to do with the fact that quite a few of these airlines are all a cart airlines. So in the past, you know, maybe you took British Airways, you took Air France or one of the US carriers, and you were guaranteed meals, you were guaranteed a lot of extra stuff. With these, it's a little bit more bare bones, but you know what you're getting going in, and I'm willing to get a better deal on airfare, even if that means I might bring my own food or pay for a meal on board. With Norwegian, actually, they don't have televisions, but they have a place where you can put a tablet or an iPad and then just watch anything that you want from their library or anything that you brought on yourself. And everybody on my flight seemed fine with that. I think it's a matter of getting a heads up about it before you take the flight and not being surprised at the last minute by thinking, wow, I didn't know I needed to bring an iPad. But it's been really fun. And I think they're addressing a younger consumer who doesn't have the money to spend on travel, but still wants to see the world. And somebody like Wow Air, they're doing a lot of their promotions on Snapchat. And it's working. Yeah, they also set up in Montreal and in Toronto when they launched service from Canada, put a fake Tinder profile for the airline on Tinder. And if you matched with them, you had the chance to win a flight. That's interesting. How did you match with them? They liked everyone. Do you have to swipe right? Is that like the... <laughs> well, you had to like them back. They liked everyone. But if you also liked them, you were entered to yeah. win a free flight. Well, actually, if I could say something, too, about the reason why these guys are suddenly taking off is also this new generation of aircraft, which really cuts their costs. I mean, Norwegian flies Dreamliner aircraft, which are the newest out of Boeing, and they're much more energy efficient. And also, they're actually a much more pleasant ride. So the funny thing is that the trade-off used to be, you know, in the day of like People Express and Laker, which of course goes way back to the 80s, you know, it was really cattle car. You know, it was there was nothing pleasant about it. But if you fly in one of these Norwegian brand new Dreamliners, they are they're great. I mean, you know, they also make you feel better when you get off because certain things like lower pressurization and um, just all around, you know, better just and the lighting, the yeah, lighting, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're they're kind of like a little bit getting closer to sort of what we'd call like the hipper JetBlue and Virgin. Model. I mean, not quite there. It still is, you know, is, as you point out, you know, you do pay for everything. But it is a much more comfortable ride than you'd think. And, you know, frankly, the fares are amazing. I mean, you know. You... So it sounds like they're startups and they're doing a sort of bring your own everything kind of model. Caitlin, you, you wrote on one of the Dreamliners, right? I did. So I flew from, uh, this is about a year and a half ago, I flew from New York to Copenhagen on Norwegian Air. Um, It was around $300 for a one-way ticket, and it actually kind of dictated my trip. I was going to Europe for a couple months, wasn't sure where I was going to start, didn't have a huge itinerary planned out, had never been to Copenhagen, and that was where the deal was to, and it was kind of like... Why not? And same experience. You know, I was on the Dreamliner. It was a really smooth ride. You know, took like no big deal. Like you're just on there. And I actually had like a three seater to myself, too. So for three hundred dollars is actually a really comfortable ride and into a cool city. Um, Caitlin, was that a direct flight or did you stop somewhere? It was direct flight. Yeah. It does raise the question, though. What are are there sacrifices that you have to make in order to take advantage of these 
fares? Like, do you have to be flexible in schedule? Do you have to be willing to fly into what is maybe not a major destination airport? Or is it pretty much just like you can get more or less the same thing that you can get with a major carrier? It depends. I have to say, I think sometimes one of the things that is looked at as bad, which is having a layover city, can actually turn out to be something great. But I think it depends where the layover city is and what the rules are. So in the 60s, Iceland Air started a program where if you were flying to Europe and you had a stopover in Reykjavik, you could get out for a couple of days for free. They wouldn't charge you any extra fees. And eventually, this program became huge. It's one of the number one reasons that people visit Iceland now. It got a whole new group of people to come visit the country. And frankly, they didn't know much about it before they got there, and people spread the word. So now there are a few other airlines that are kind of riffing on this same model and making it affordable to do a stopover. And so for people who don't want to do kind of a long connecting flight and be stuck in an airport for a while, now on Air Canada, you can lay over in Toronto for up to seven days for free. And Finnair has just announced that you can do a layover in Helsinki as well. So is that something that's tethered to the city? That the, who, Like, who's arranging that or who's deciding? Yeah, that? it's usually because most of these are national flag carrier airlines. So Iceland Air is partially owned by the Icelandic government. Finnair obviously is out of Finland and Air Canada is based in Toronto. So they're able to kind of work with local partners. I'm doing the Air Canada Toronto stopover this summer. And they have a partnership where you get a deal on your train fare into the city and they connect you with hotels that they have partnerships with. So it's really a tourism push. But for those of us who love a bargain, you get two or three cities for the same price. Yeah, it's kind of brilliant. Like it really does encourage you to visit an extra place in the trip, which has got to be good for the hotel business and everybody else who's involved. I'm wondering if there's any sign that this is changing the market in any way. Have you guys seen any activity on the part of major carriers to try to sort of get in on this action or maybe start lowering their own fares and competing directly with these airlines? Yeah, I think it really depends on the market. I mean, the reason why I took Norwegian recently, I, I was actually headed to Berlin, not to Norway, but I did have a stopover in Oslo. But the point is, I really would have preferred, all things being equal, to go nonstop to Berlin. But the fares were ridiculous. I mean, it was 1500 round trip. Um, and it was 500 round trip going on Norwegian. So, wow. And I got a day in Oslo, which actually I really enjoyed. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, But I don't see So in answer to your question, it really depends on the market. I think a lot of markets in Europe are still pretty constrained by the size of the airport and how many flights they can handle. So the big, you know, old legacy carriers, as we call them, traditional ones like Lufthansa and Air France, I don't think they have a real incentive yet to start matching those bargain fares because the smaller airlines really don't have the market share. To, to put that pressure on them. And they actually are concerned with, with getting too much into that discount territory. So I think we're still going to see a lot of the mainstream airlines having really pretty high fares. But they're clearly losing, or at least in your case, they're losing customers to these carriers. I don't know if they care that much. They've sort of, you know, some of them are government supported and, and, and they're just, they don't want to risk what they call diluting the market. That's one of their favorite phrases. You know, they just want to protect what they see as the sort of more upscale product. And they, and they got a lot of business travelers who fly business class. So, you know, they, they may be willing to cede some of that to some of these scrappy or some of the sort of high volume yeah, yes, exactly. uh, uh, traffic. And I think it also depends on that institutional support. You know, if Air France doesn't have any trouble getting people to go to Paris, there is not going to be institutional on the ground support to, hey, have you heard of Paris? You should consider going in the way that 
Finland is still struggling to get as many Western tourists and is willing to kind of try some unorthodox stuff. But isn't Lufthansa worried about just having lost Barbara? And her fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> right? You have to call yeah. them. To f- no, I, I, I just mean like it does seem to me like they must be at least paying attention and sort of watching this. Well, I think that possibly is why Lufthansa has Brussels Airlines, which is a lower cost airline. I think um, to risk the not mm-hmm. diluting the brand thing that Barbara mentioned, a lot of airlines have their own proprietary. Isn't Condor part of Thomas Cook? Yes, exactly. And um, and Lufthansa also has Eurowings, which is which they are planning to expand to transatlantic flying. So, yes, you're right. What they, what I think they'll do is do that whole brand strategy. And well, that's well, that's know. big with some of the Asian carriers as well. Oh yeah, like to sort of keep a a, a, a a sort of child brand that can handle you know the, the think of it as Donna Karen and DKNY. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. right. Got it. I think it's also important, Brad, just quickly to say that, you know, these are still upstart airlines. So when you talk about, I mean, yes, they lost one customer, but if, you know, an airline like WOW is only flying a few flights across the Atlantic every week, you know, in terms of market share, you know, it's not really that many flights that they're worried about at this point. You know, should they grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger? Then I think you probably start to pay attention because you see how much attention the legacy carriers here in the U.S. are paying to, say, for example, Gulf rivals. Yeah, and I do. I think the other thing that's interesting about what you guys were saying is that they're targeting a younger consumer, and they're going to basically disrupt the brand affiliation or the brand affinity that gets made with you know Lufthansa or Air France, and they're going to you know sort of get that consumer used to a couple of things. One is the lower price itself, which everybody loves, and we know that sort of among younger travelers, you know, um, people are very very interested in going more and spending less, right, and getting an experience for a lower cost. And then I think the other thing is that they're getting people used to the bring-your-own economy, which is actually very compatible with the way, you know, um, a lot of us live our lives, right? We've The in-flight entertainment systems on most carriers, including the good ones, you know, are less satisfactory than my iPad at some level, right? And I think you get a sort of whole generation of consumers kind of locked into a model that is economical, doesn't make sacrifices, has good planes, and has that sort of self-service modality, to me it seems like something to at least give some thought to and do some planning around to, to not let yourself get completely disrupted. From well, that. they'll call you when they IPO, man. <laughs> I have to say, though, you know, flying on, at least on this one experience flying on Norwegian, I didn't find it to be an incredibly stripped down experience. Um, For that particular flight, which was on one of, you know, a brand new Dreamliner, there was in-flight entertainment. And, uh, you know, you did have, if you wanted to pay the same way, like on JetBlue on a domestic flight, if you want a bag of chips or a glass of wine or whatever, no problem. And you pay whatever it is, I don't know, five bucks, seven bucks, they bring it to your seat. So the convenience factor is still there. And I do think you're right, though. I mean, the consumer now, you know, some a young person getting on a flight is probably going to buy something at the airport beforehand anyway. No one has the expectation that airline food is going to dazzle them on their, you know, transatlantic flight. So I think that does play into favor as well. Yeah. I mean, speaking of IPO, Paul, it's a, it's a good point, though, because if they are getting investment capital and it is basically a sort of gamble to see what can happen, um, at some point, right, like they do have to prove it out and a lot of startups can do this in every other industry and, and sort of take a flyer on a particular strategy. Take like, a flyer. Yeah. <laughs> um, pun completely intended, fully. Yes, definitely. I'm so clever. No, but what do you think? Like, is this something that's sustainable? 
is this something that's sustainable over the long term? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, that's a hard question. And, and the airline business is really, really difficult. You know, I mean, I think the other big story flying around right now is this whole, you know, purchase of Virgin we, America. Are we going to do that through the whole podcast? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, aviation just lends itself to these great, like, wordplay, you know, and, and puns, right? You, you guys know? are really soaring here. Oh, boy. Mm. We're See? winging it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a hard business, and, and it's tough to know what's going to happen, as, you know, I'm sure the Virgin America team... You know, I doubt on January 1st that a lot of those team members were thinking, boy, we're going to be working for Alaska soon. But, you know, didn't Richard Branson once say that he has this joke about how do you become a millionaire and it's be a billionaire and buy an airline? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said that. I've heard that before. Okay, so great segue. Thank you, Paul. Nice setup there. Away from the low-cost airlines and, you know, some of the big stories of the week, the biggest of which is perhaps the Virgin Sale. Can somebody, can one of you guys, maybe you, Barbara, just because, like, you've been all over this story, maybe just run us through from start to finish kind of what are the details of this story? Well, apparently, um, Virgin America, which nobody knew about until recently, was sort of in play, as they say. Uh, And just before you get, like, Virgin America yet again this year, if I'm not mistaken, was voted uh, the the best domestic domestic airline. airline, For eight years in a row, yes. So so to sort of try to summarize it, if I can really quickly, cut me off if I go on to it, but the point is, Virgin America was one of Richard Branson's dreams for a long time. He tried to start an airline, but as a British citizen, he couldn't own an airline in the United States under U.S. laws. So he, he started it up finally after years of fighting. It's been in business for eight years. It has won every single award almost from the get-go. Passengers love it. It's got this sort of fierce, almost cult loyalty, but it didn't make money. And and that gets back to you know what Paul was saying earlier. It's a very tough business. And when you start out, you know, you, you have a lot of costs and you don't have the scale of, the, of these monster airlines that we have now in the United States. So it's been a tough all, but they finally turned the corner about two years ago. But part of that was also they went public and they sold shares to the public. Okay, now that leads to the next thing. Once you become a public company, if you get a takeover offer, you can't just blow them off and say, hey, we, we don't like you. You know, so they had to entertain the offer when Alaska came to them. Now you might say, Alaska, what what a strange combination. But Alaska is a funny airline. It's sort of been on the edge, you know, like we talked about European airlines being sort of some of them on the edge of the continent. Well, Alaska and Hawaiian are both very successful airlines, but they've got this geographical limitation. And and they're sort of not on the radar of the sort of, you know, the, the zeitgeist, you know, the, the hip and cool and all that. I mean, you know, come on, it's Alaska, right? <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm going to get in trouble about that. But they are, okay, I have to say, they're a great we, we, airline. We, we try to get in a little bit of trouble every week here. Oh, okay. Well, so I'm glad I can You just help. took care of it. Yeah. Okay. No, I, they are a great airline, and they are starting to get better known in the East yeah, of the United States. Yeah, they've been mm-hmm. somewhere between third and fifth on the list of the best American yes, airlines. Exactly. So they're, they're in the top now, five. I have to say that once you get below that top tier, the, the standards are. We're not talking yeah. about a high standard. Here. Yeah, I mean, it, so. <laughs> wait a minute. That seems like such a huge surprise when talking about domestic <laughs> carriers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway. So then, when the news finally leaked, now you're that, in trouble. That uh, okay. Hate mail yeah. goes to travelandleisure.com. <laughs> but. 
I think what happened was the rest of us, I mean, the whole country, except for the few investment bankers who were, you know, working behind the scenes, was were totally shocked by this turn of events because, you know, Virgin America was growing and it was making money and everybody thought it could go on for years and why shouldn't it? And then suddenly it's going to be acquired by this other airline, which seems like a very different kind of animal. And they could work together, but... A lot of problems in the way. One is that they have different aircraft, and that is always a problem when you merge two airlines. And, you, have, you know, the Alaska is a Boeing customer. It has 737s. And as we all know, Virgin America has those wonderful Airbuses with the mood lighting. And it's got a lot of other things that are really different. So it's clearly Alaska has been pretty clear about what we want to grow. We need to compete with the, the big four, which, um, you know, everybody, the huge airlines we have now. And I think that they see this as a way to do that. But um, they're getting a lot of flack about how can you sort of deep six a great brand. I think well, there's a lot more out emotional outcry about this, frankly. Are they planning other. to do that? They're going to deep six the brand? Or have they, they said yet? They haven't said that, though. Interestingly, Virgin America on its site had a comment or sort of memo in which at the very end, they sort of it's like burying the lead. They had, oh, well, we anticipate in another year or two that the Virgin America brand will disappear. And everybody, so and. Richard Branson, uh, which I reported on just yeah. today, so, like, uh, came ahead. out and like, said, no, he said, tell, no That was way. a big exclusive. You got to talk to Branson himself. So yeah. tell us about what he had to say. Okay. Well, he wanted everybody to know that he would not, he basically said, I will not let Virgin America disappear from the United States. And that, at first you might say, well, wait, he's kind of lost control of it. How can he say that? Well, the reason is, is that if Alaska doesn't use the name, the licensing rights revert to Branson and his company. And what they could do is just say, okay, we want the rights back and we'll use it and we'll license it to start up a new airline in the United States. So a Virgin America 2, if you will, the sequel or whatever. But And uh, they could just call it Virgin America again. Exactly. Yeah, because if no one else is using it. Right. He it. owns the rights to the name. But Barbara, he would have to find, I read in your piece, which was great, um, he would have to find another partner in the U.S., right? Because of An American the, citizen. Right, because of the whole issue with his citizenship. Exactly. And and even beyond what he did. See, with Virgin America, he found a partner. It was not an airline partner. It was just an investment, you know, the venture capital firm. This time, I think he's learned his lesson that, you know, unless you've got some kind of heft already, you've got to have the gates, you've got to have a bit of a bandwidth there in the market. Um, he said he would partner with another airline so he could sort of get through the whole, you know, go through the DOT, I'm sorry, Department of Transportation hurdles, you know, and getting licensed and all that. But the question is, who? Yeah, what, are there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, are there any likely yeah. candidates for that? Is this and, a bad time to mention that Donald Trump doesn't have an airline anymore? <laughs> what about Mark Cuban? He seems like a guy. Maybe Branson will go on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling the sharks would not approve an airline. <laughs> can pitch it. Given everything we've said about airline finance <laughs> so far. Like, what would Suze Orman think about that? Well, Nothing good. <laughs> did he give you any insight into who he was thinking of? Well, I think... I think clearly it would not be a JetBlue, obviously, because JetBlue already has a very strong brand. It's not going to be an airline that is is either too big or too distinct in its own way. So I would think, though, that 
below that tier, there are some airlines, you know, there are some that quite obscure, maybe small regional airlines. There's there's Frontier, for example, which is not in that category. That's a little better known and that's bigger. But they've made it known that they're interested maybe in, in talking to someone. So, and why not? I mean, they could become a Virgin America. That would be yeah. a, a big, big upgrade. It'd be, a yeah. huge, it'd be a huge improvement over the service <laughs> that they offer now, I have to say. Because you know, they style themselves, right, as one of these ultra-low-cost carriers where um, you know, similar to Spirit, where you really do. You pay for everything, and you feel sort of like it's a great privilege to even be on board the plane. Uh, you know, and you compare that to the onboard experience in Virgin America, which has always been sort of really highly regarded, including with Conde Nast Traveler readers who, who rank it so highly in our Reader's Choice Awards. Yeah, I mean, I think let's talk just for a minute about the hole that's going to leave in, in the marketplace because Virgin America has been not just a not just a good consumer experience and not just a solid brand, but they've been innovators in in the space in a way that's going to kind of be a little bit bereft. I don't know that anybody else has been quite what done quite what they've done. Yes, I think JetBlue kind of started in that that sort of area, but then they really yeah. ran with it, and that's why they are so popular. I think the outcry about this has been so strong. In fact, I expected it, but it, I've even been surprised. I mean, there are people writing these things about how upset they are, and they're they're depressed, and they're uh, you know they're they're like they're yeah, with the United go, merger, yeah. like you're, you're, like nobody nobody sort of out, there was no outcry about that, right? Yes, I mean, particularly you know, exactly. There have been many brands that have disappeared over the years, but maybe they weren't. Really really such strong brands, actually, to begin with. But, you know, when U.S. Air, for example, flew into history, you know, or, you know, you know, Northwest, I mean, there there wasn't the same sort of, you know, feeling of mourning, you know, because, you know, it was just another airline. It was two very similar airlines with a similar kind of, you know, mentality getting together. And, and so the consumer almost didn't notice. Well, in, in Northwest case, the planes were literally painted gray. So it was a little, <laughs> was a little sort of like, um, but I do, I think you have a real emotional connection with your airline, right? Because travel is an emotional thing. And, and it, particularly when you're in the airport and you're between places. And I know we talk about this a lot where you, you sort of, the only time you cry at the movies is when you're watching one in the seat back, right? And is this very open, raw, emotional state when you're on a plane. And, and Virgin did such a good job, and not just in airlines, but the Virgin group in general, right? They really kind of key in on your emotions and forge that connection. So, you know, they're, they're I think, They've really weaseled their way into people's brains. And I'm for one, I mean, I'm sad that they're they're going away. I, I always went out of my way to fly them when I was flying Transcon because I know that the service is going to be good. I know that the drink cart isn't going to be going up and down the aisle knocking into people. They're just going to bring the stuff when you order it. I know that the in-flight entertainment is going to be good. And, and you do miss that stuff because you feel sort of cosseted in this moment of sort of emotional frailty. Yeah, it feels to me like you got a world full of Dells and you need an <laughs> Apple, you know? Like sure. somebody has to kind of be setting a different standard and caring about the design and caring about the quality. Sure. And I think, you know, to Barbara's point, you know, JetBlue, I think, really was the first airline that, that did that. But you see the difference that when JetBlue went from that little regional carrier, you know, out of Buffalo and sort of flying to New York somehow and, and this like weird sort of pseudo taxi thing that they <laughs> used to do. Um, you know, when they went up to scale and now they're flying all over, you know, the Western Hemisphere, you do miss a little bit of that sort of essence, right? And, I mean, and now I can't afford first class on JetBlue, and there is a first class on JetBlue. Exactly, which and is it a really, huge deal, right? To me, it lost some of that populist sense that I loved about flying that airline, which is that even if you were in the cheap seats, you still got great service. Yeah. And 
I actually I did think one thing that was really funny was JetBlue after the news broke that Alaska had won the bidding war for Virgin America. Most people knew that meant that JetBlue hadn't. JetBlue announced a promotion called JetBlue Virgins, hmm. which was for people who had never flown the airline before. And if you lived in New York <laughs> or California, you could enter to win a free flight on JetBlue. And I thought that was a nice sort of wink at the people who are familiar with their airline and people who are sad about losing Virgin America. Yeah. So maybe it's an opportunity for JetBlue to reclaim some of that. Uh, you know, sheen. Maybe, but JetBlue just doesn't have, I mean, I think if you look at it from a branding perspective, JetBlue just does not have the hip and sexy that Virgin has. And I think if there's one thing, you know, that Richard Branson knows how to do well, it's that branding. And like, you know, like you were saying, it's this identity also of being a Virgin flyer. You're kind of in it for the fun. Um, and JetBlue just doesn't, you know, it's a, it, it has a great branding of its own, but it doesn't scream fun in the same way that, you know, this jokester Branson has been able to, do. you know, you talk about in-flight massages and, you know, he even talked about porn on planes at one point. Um, does everyone want that? Not necessarily, but is there a demographic that thinks that's hilarious? I, I think there is. I think one of the problems, and this came up actually in a different conversation when H&M was trying to break into the United States. They said, that the biggest problem they had was that to be big in the United States, you have to play in malls. And for a long time, they were only in Europe and they were only in major cities. And that was very much the way that they thought about their company. But if they wanted to make money in the United States, they couldn't only be in New York and L.A. They needed to be in Indianapolis. They needed to be in Denver. And I think the same logic applies to airlines in the United States when they get bigger. I think it is easy to be sexy when you only go to places like Las Vegas and Hawaii. Everybody wants to go there. Those are vacation places. But for JetBlue to get bigger and to scale, they needed to go to Indianapolis and they needed to go to Denver. And they've done that. Yeah, I think they are two different, completely different creatures now. And I think JetBlue, I mean, a lot of people thought they couldn't make it. You know, when they first started, they, everybody was predicting they'd fail in a few years. So the fact that they're a success, and they do still, they still do have a different vibe. But you're right, Virgin really stole that, that thunder from them. Yeah, I mean, JetBlue's mm. kind of in, like, you know, khakis. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think that's that. I mean, yes, today. But again, like, I think that once upon a time... No, once, say, once upon a time, and I'm psyched about it. Yeah, they they once upon a time. I th I think you may be right today, but once upon a time, I think they yeah, they, no, and, and they I actually, were wearing skinny I, jeans. I like JetBlue, and I actually fly JetBlue, you know, relatively often within the U.S. But I, I, you know, they just don't have. If you were going to put them, you know, if you talk about H and M, you talk about if they were going to be in a mall, you know, Virgin would be in black leather pants, and <laughs> you know, JetBlue. Skinny jeans. Yeah, skinny jeans. You can get away Come with on, skinny khakis. jeans, maybe. All right, all right, fine. <laughs> Um, from a consumer standpoint, though, any real change, any routes that are going to be compromised, or is Alaska just going to sort of like take them over and it'll fill in? And for the average traveler, not really a major impact here. Yeah, well, I think I think basically there's very little overlap between the two airlines. So there, there's not going to be, you know, Alaska won't have to give up anything. Neither will the Virgin America side of it. I think the question will be how long they can continue to operate it as an independent company. I mean, they could actually indefinitely. They could have a two-brand strategy, which is what Branson is hoping for. But I just think that, you know, the bean counters, you know, back in Seattle are going to look at that and say, no, no. I mean, that's, you know, that that's not 
not the point of a merger. A merger is to sort of merge and and, and get some kind of your your costs down with you know economies of scale. So I can't see that lasting indefinitely. But I'd say that it's not going to be over on January first. I think we can sort of you know see you know take those last few Virgin America flights for a few more times, and they can milk that if you will. They can really get a lot of good mileage out of that, uh, and that is intended. So. But, um, <laughs> so- just a couple of other airline news since we're on the airline theme. Lily, the Air France flight attendants uh, wearing the headscarves, you reported on this. What's the story there? Well, so the first thing to report is that Iran is opening back up to Western tourism in a big way this year. Air France That's is now doing... That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, huge deal. deal. I... I we have sort of had whispers in the industry that Iran is going to be the new Cuba as the new place yeah. that Americans are really eager it's to like get to. It's like the Cold and War sort of walls are falling down one by one. And the idea that it's relatively untouched by Western tourism, the idea that you get to go first, that you can see stuff your friends haven't all seen and posted on Instagram already is always appealing. So one of the new developments is that both British Airways and Air France are opening up or reopening routes to Iran. Paris will be operating three times a week flights to Tehran. And the flight attendant, the female flight attendants who are going to be working on those routes were asked to, they have two official uniforms and they can wear either one, one's a dress and one is pants and a long blazer. And they were asked to wear the pants and long blazer because they cover up more of their body on that flight. And then upon arrival in Tehran to cover their hair with a headscarf. And what's interesting about this story is it was presented as this like huge revolt on the part of the flight attendants. And a lot of the headlines were screaming about like protesting and being angry. But it came down kind of to splitting hairs, which was that their union said, Lots of them are fine with wearing headscarves, but they want to be able to say it was their own choice. They don't want it to be required by the airline and something that they're forced to do. And this is something that that France in particular has struggled with, you know, from time to time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, France is pretty adamant about the separation of church and state. I mean, there is a law More about the separation. More even than the United States, it sometimes can seem. Absolutely. And they, they enforce it quite strictly. Um, the headscarf law is something that was really controversial in France when it was passed about people not wearing headscarves if they had a public profession. Um, there were women who wrote op-eds about leaving their jobs because they could no longer work in civil service and also have their religious beliefs. So it's been an ongoing kind of flashpoint in France, I would say. And has there been any dispensation? Was there any penalty? What what happened to The European court upheld um, a the headscarf ban. There was a woman who took it to the European Court of Human Rights, and it was upheld. So they're able to still continue with it. They also passed a law banning anyone from covering their face in a public place in France. um, And that had to do with concerns about terrorism. Mm. But it also affected women who wore burqas. And that's been upheld as well. And for the flight attendants? Well, not yet. They still haven't made a decision uh, with the union yet, so we'll know more about that soon. Okay, we'll stay on top of that. On the lighter slot, on the lighter, <laughs> on the lighter slide, the United flight attendant who deployed the emergency <laughs> slide. Caitlin, you want to talk about that one? Well, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, so the plane had landed. And there seemed to have been some sort of medical emergency in the back of the plane. Um, and she deployed the emergency chute went off and walked away. Um, so it's still sort of, you know, and and then, you know, was uh, at least temporarily relieved of her flight duties. So it's uh, still a bit unclear Nobody what's really happened knows to what her. Happened there. Not really. I mean, it was sort of like a mic drop in a way. You know, <laughs> if you think she just, you know, whether or not she actually um, thought that she was, you know, going to be 
needed to escape the plane or needed to help people off the plane. Um, that nothing has indicated that that's the case. Um, but yeah, we don't really know what happened. It's just she's made no official statement. She has made no statement no. that yeah, she's just this kind reminds of me off. of. Do you remember a couple of years ago when there was that JetBlue flight attendant who kind of lost it yeah. and went postal? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, although she's from what the reports say, at least she was rather calm and collected. Um, opened it was up the, opened up the slide, slid down, <laughs> slid down, walked, walked away, calmly away. Yeah, well, in, in his case, he was drinking a beer. So, so here's to beer day. <laughs> exactly. We've come full circle. <laughs> no, and, and actually, that that was really, yeah, that's what was, in, you know, he did that. He was, remember, he was a media star briefly. Yes. Because yeah. he, he quit as he was, that was his way of quitting. And of course, he, became, he was complaining about passenger That behavior. was his mic yes. drop. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes, he was angry. He was saying, you know, I'm sick of dealing, you know, putting up with you. And, you know, that's, I mean, he was just, had had it. Not and, flying on Virgin America, clearly. <laughs> and it was funny because he was a bit of a folk hero until we learned a lot more about him and then he wasn't uh, but but he was sort of like everybody's had those moments where you just want to tell your boss to shove it and, and all that I mean uh, probably not around here I'm sure but um, <laughs> and and so it was just like oh yeah he, he, he did it it was great but you know I, I took flight attendant training class once for an article and that slide, you know, in you know, either accidentally or on purpose, in um, you know, deploying that slide is a huge, big deal. It costs a huge amount of money, among other things. It can be very dangerous if someone's on the ground, um, and it's actually possible to do it um, by accident. It's not that hard to do it. In fact, I was nervous when I was taking the training class that I was going to do that because, you know, it's it's there's this whole little routine you do when the when the flight, you know takes off and lands. It's called arming the door. And if you just don't do it the right way, you, you can do it. And there are, there are cases of accidentally deploying it, you know, a number of times every year that no one hears about. So we still don't know what the, what the you know, if that is possibly what happened, but then that doesn't explain why she would have. I would love uh, to know what me. happens when that happens. What, what, what you if, mean? If, if, the, if the slide is accidentally deployed, what happens if you're on a plane? Like, do you have to immediately land? Oh, you mean while they're in the air? Yeah. Can oh, it even happen? Uh, no, it can okay. only happen when, when, when you're on the ground because because of that arming thing. You're actually opening the door. So, yeah, if you open the door in flight, then you'd be in bigger trouble than just that. I mean, people have tried to do Yeah, you hear about these passengers Oh, yeah, there was a drunk guy who did yeah. that a couple of weeks ago, right? But fortunately, it is almost... I'd say virtually impossible to do that because of the pressurization. I mean, it just isn't possible. So that's why you haven't read about that. But but this, it is possible once you land because, you know, if you're just not thinking that clearly or maybe you've had, you know, who knows, you know, what's going on, you, you could easily deploy that. So yeah. it's a scenario, maybe she accidentally deployed it and felt like, I just need to own it now. I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, the fact that she slid right on down yeah. and yeah. walked away, I don't know. I agree. It's yeah. a hell of a way to leave, leave. It is. leave it's, a job. It's, it's, a, it's a statement, I think. But, you know, they were, the report said also that, you know, the people on the plane didn't even really notice at the time because there had been sort of a minor medical emergency in the back of the plane. So Was she involved with that? Not. Not that we know not of. Not that we know of. Yeah. So. And we don't know if anybody else followed her down the slide, do we? No, yeah. although you know there there is a video, and um, you know she's she's been relieved of her duties. So, you know maybe she a little maybe she needed a break. Who maybe, knows? What? Where did this take place? So uh, this was actually so this was a United uh, flight, and it was at George Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston. So uh, you know needed to get to Houston, had to visit. Yeah, Houston, we have a problem. Okay. <laughs> 
So let's, uh, that'll be it for us this week. Um, don't forget to visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. And CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Why don't we go around and tell the people where to find you? Okay. Caitlin? Yes. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm at Kate Mosk. Uh, I'm Paul Brady, and I'm on Twitter at P underscore Brady. Uh, Lilith Marcus. I am at Lilith Marcus, L-I-L-I-T-M-A-R-C-U-S on Twitter, and Lilith Goes on Instagram. And Barbara, where can the people find you? Uh, at, at Peterson B on Twitter. So. On Twitter. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would love to get your feedback. So tweet at us. That's the best way to give it to us. Let us know what you think of the podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe wherever fine podcasts are deployed, <laughs> whatever your chosen platform. And please let us know what you think. You know, we're constantly doing new things, trying new things, and we would really love your feedback. So let us know. And just so you know, we're going to be off next week. There's some construction going on in the Condé Nast podcast studio. So we're going to take a week off and we will be back the following week with a, a really special show, the details of which will be announced on the site itself. So follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, and you will know as soon as we announce it. I'm at Brad Rick, and that's it for us this week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.